this week on the Habs Forum. We have a trade and signing to talk about. Pretty exciting for uh, September 17th. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about that, obviously. And there's uh, an interview with Mark Bergeron on TVA Spall. Very candid interview. A lot of interesting stuff to talk about there. So we'll touch on that. And uh, like I said to you before we started the pod, probably some of the best programming. I've seen on TV as well. I mean, it's not very hard to beat. Exactly, but it was a pretty good interview, uh, honestly. And our first ever returning guest, uh, Marco D'Amico on Twitter. To talk uh, talk prospects. So we're only a couple of weeks away from the draft. So had a great discussion with Marco D'Amico about some of the prospects that the Canadians could uh, hopefully be drafting in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that at the end of the pod. And as always... We got one Twitter question today from our most consistent contributor uh, in Etienne uh, Ferlin. As always, you can always ask us questions at the Habs Forum on Twitter. We're always happy to uh, answer them. And but before we get started, are we brought to you by someone? We're still brought. Yeah, with all that hand action you were well, doing. Well, they can't see it. But, you know. <laughs> yes, we're still brought to you by Manscaped.com. And their law, the their their new lawnmower 3.0, which uh, which again we've said many times we have is great. You guys should get it if you yeah. already don't have it. You'll appreciate it. Your girlfriend or will appreciate it. Or boyfriend. Or boyfriend. Anybody else? Everybody's gonna appreciate it. <laughs> and the ball wipes too are great too. Everybody appreciates appreciates it. Uh, so go to manscaped.com and use promo code HabsForum for 20% off your purchase and get free shipping. Very exciting. very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> All right. What else is exciting? Well, a trade and a signing. So basically, the Canadians, uh, I'm sure everyone listening to the podcast know this, but traded for the rights of Joel Edmondson for a fifth-round pick. Fifth-round pick. We talked about the picks last week. I mean, we have too many anyways. Yeah, so especially whatever. a fifth-round pick. Exactly. Whatever. Who cares? To get to talk to Joel Edmondson early, and uh, he signed. Uh, I mean, he just signed uh, yesterday or a couple days ago. 3.5 times four years. I think most people would agree 3.5, they like, they like the that number. Yeah. The times four years maybe don't like it as much. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, that that was sort of my idea as well. I mean, 3.5, I, I even thought he might have got a little bit more. Not that I wanted him. I Like 3.5 was, was the number that, that I was I would have been comfortable with. Um, yeah, probably hoping for, for less years. Um, you know, I was hoping ideally for maybe two years. Uh, but four years, I mean, that's fine. That's fine. You know, I mean, Sherratt's got two years left. I mean, the Canadians do have quite a few left-handed defensemen coming up, too. I mean, obviously, Romanov this season. Uh, they're going to have other guys like Norlander, Harris, Struble. Uh, but, and I mean, the the other thing now, they they seem to have a lot of left-handed defensemen now. Obviously, they have Sherratt, like, uh, like we just mentioned. They have Romanov coming in as well. But uh, what does that mean for Kulak, Mete, Zevi Ouellette, will you assume, is going to be back in Laval, of course, yeah. but... I mean, we uh, we we just watched a uh, <laughs> the Ber- Bergman interview, and when he talks about his defenseman, Bergman completely forgets about what it, and the interviewer <laughs> has to remind him, and then Bergman does his best to not laugh, basically. So I don't think he views uh, Willett very uh, <laughs> very highly. He's a fine fine defenseman for uh, for the Rocket. I mean, I think it's very interesting because uh, today, uh, well, also Friedman on his th- 31 Thoughts said that uh, Bergman apparently made it very clear uh, in talks with teams last week that he wanted a left shot defender. I mean, I'm not a general manager in the NHL, but I wouldn't have guessed that that was a main priority for the Canadians. Especially, like, I would have guessed maybe a top-flight left-handed defenseman. Yeah. But the one thing that I feel, felt like we didn't necessarily need is more depth on left defense. Does he, 
simply not really believe in Brett Kulak as much as maybe we do with the performance he had in the playoffs? Because that's kind of what he's saying there. He's saying he... Because to me, Edmondson doesn't seem like that much of an upgrade over Brett Kulak. No, exactly. He's really not. Like, let, and, and that's that's one of the things that I thought, too, when I first saw it, is that, okay, I thought maybe a left-handed defenseman was going to be one of the higher priorities for the Canadians. But, again, like you said, a top-two guy. Yeah, not, like a Tory Krug. Yeah, example. like a Tory Krug. Um, though I think, man, if they would have signed Tory Krug, like it's it's going to be a ridiculous number. I don't disagree there. I don't disagree there, but it makes more sense yeah. still uh, as a need standpoint for the team. Now, if you put in Joel Edmondson instead of Brad Kulak for the entirety of the season, how much better is the team really? Like, I mean, part of me thinks that because it, it, a big thing that happened in the playoffs that almost allowed the Canadians to 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 advance is the physicality of the Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt uh, duo. I mean, there's no denying that they played a huge part in the kind of mini run that the Canadians did. I mean, they did a lot better than people thought they would because they were kind of manhandling the the other team in the defensive zone. And part of me just thinks that Bergevin thought, saw that and was maybe a little bit short-sighted and was like, I want more of that, and, and went and got a, a very, very big boy in, in Joel Edmondson. So, I mean, I, I do see the value there, but... I mean, it's depth, sure, but there was already depth on the left side. It's, it just seems like an odd kind of sideways depth yeah. move for the Canadians. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and yeah, I mean, you got to like the size, though, for sure, yeah. like you just mentioned. I mean, you're going to have Sherratt, Weber, Petrie, Edmondson. You're going to have Romanov coming in, and we've seen the way that he lays the body, too. And, and on the on the right side, you'll also have Cale Fleury and Noah Juleson, two other guys that can uh, definitely lay the body as well. And Petrie has said in the past he'd like to play with with – a bigger line mate, mm-hmm. basically saying he doesn't want to play with Victor Mete, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think Mete uh, might might very well be the, the the odd man out at this point. I mean, we'll see. I think Kulak has a higher sort of um, value probably at this point, just because of the way that he played in the well, playoffs. Bergeron has said that he doesn't plan on moving a defenseman, mm-hmm. and in, in the interview that we'll go more into shortly, he actually says that it, depth at defense is. Very important for him, which which does make a lot of sense hearing him talk about that because uh, with the condensed schedule, the he, he, he mentioned basically the odds of the team going without an injury on defense are slim to none, which is true. Yeah, that's And true. even though there's a lot of defensemen right now, there's no one that's a risk of being lost uh, to... Um, to waivers, right? Because we have players that can go down without going through waivers. I mean, the only player that would go through waivers is Carl Alsner, but I don't think anyone's too worried about losing Alsner <laughs> in, uh, in, in, in waivers. So I, 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 I see I see the value there. I mean, sure. It's it, it just, I guess we're just comfortable with the defense that's there now. Like, Do you think he's still looking to improve the D at this point? Or is that the defense we're going into the season with and the rest of the cap space is more about the forwards? You got to think it's going to be. He's going to be looking it forward. Um, I mean, you know, what 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 cap space do they have left? I think they have. Uh, well, if well you, so yeah, it's going to depend with you know, yeah, it's, it's going to change with like Alzner and all that going well, down. Well, on on cap friendly right now, it's ten million, but it's ten million million for only nine players, uh, nineteen players. Yeah. Uh, so ten million in cap space, so that you have to add four more players to the roster. Alzner's included on nineteen, but you save like a million by dropping him down. Yeah, they got to sign Domi. Got to sign Domi and things, things like. But you could still, you could still, if you make a trade, there's still room to fit in an eight million dollar forward on on this team. You can shuffle stuff around easily, and some of the players that that are going to step in are are, are players 
uh, like Jake Evans uh, as the fourth line center. Uh, I mean, impaling if he ever plays with the Canadians again. Again, uh, a Kale Fleury on defense. Like these players are under a million, right? So we have these types of players to, to plug in in the bottom lines. Uh, so there's still space there to make a big move to go for a Taylor Hall, you know, yeah. for example. You know, yeah. the, the, those things are still possible. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the sort of move that he's going to try to make. I mean, yeah, it, it would be great, uh, you know, if he could add a, an elite left-handed defenseman. But, you know, I, I definitely don't think that's going to be the priority at this point. The priority is going to be trying to get that scoring winger. Do, do you think maybe that he really, really, truly believes that Romanov – not this season necessarily, but has the potential in the next couple years to become a number one pairing left D. So going and getting depth with guys like Joel Edmondson and Ben Chirot is more of a kind of, instead of spending, giving eight years, eight million for the Tory crew, for example, or whatever the contract would be, you give shorter term contracts with less money for kind of stop gaps at Edmondson and Chirot while... Romanov in the next two years gets ready, and then he steps into that number one lefty role. Yeah, I definitely think you know he. I mean, Romanov, from what we've seen, he definitely has the potential to do that. And uh, uh, Bergevin, I mean, it, and it even showed in that in the interview that you talked about with uh, J.C. Lajoie, it shows that he obviously has high expectations for him as well. Step, I mean, he's going to be stepping into the NHL next year, twenty years old. And I mean, not just Romanov either. I mean, again, there's guys like Norlander, Jake, uh, yeah. Jordan Harris. Jaden Struble, who's a little bit further away, but Norlander's playing in the, uh, you know, in, in basically in the in the highest league in Sweden. So, if he has a good season, which he's expected to, he could be pretty close to the NHL very shortly. So I mean, it is nice to see that he still, even though he's in a win now, still is he's not making desperation moves, which which is is important for for your your uh, your GM. And to your point about him being obviously high on Romanov, probably the biggest headline from this uh, twenty minute interview. With uh, with Tibias, well, what's the interview's name again? J.C. Lajoie. Yeah, J.C. Lajoie. J.C. Lajoie is that he's literally said, well, he said it in French, but paraphrasing in English, you can write it down that they are staying, talking about Nick Suzuki, uh, Kotkaniemi, Romanov, and Carey Price, and the uh, J.C. Lajoie specifically asked for Carey Price about the expansion draft and all that, and Bergevin almost laughed it off. He's like, no, these guys aren't going anywhere. These guys are the base of this team. And he said, you can write it down. They're staying on the team. So, first of all, to include Romanov in that list just shows how highly he thinks of Romanov. Yeah, hasn't even played a game in the NHL yeah, yet. Exactly. So, that, I mean, that, that's that's the biggest thing there. And and obviously with Suzuki, and, and, yeah, I don't think uh, Bergman's on the, the Kutkinemi is a bust camp. You know, I think yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a bit smarter than the Twitter uh, Twitter trolls thinking that uh, the, a 19, 20-year-old can be considered a bust uh, at, at this point. So, I mean, it's weird because the Joel Edmondson signing, the more I think about it, sometimes I'm like, I don't get it. Now I'm like talking myself into it. I just, I don't know. I guess this is just what the defense is going to be. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, the, the sexiest move or the most exciting move. But, uh, I mean, I, he's definitely not done. You know, there's going to be more yeah. moves done but before, um, I mean, well, the season well, starts, I think, in December. I mean, there's going to be more moves before that. Another interesting uh, comment he made, because we know how close to the vest he is about trades. Trades almost, rumors ne- almost never come out of the Canadians' camp. I mean, I think Joel Edmondson came out of left field for pretty much oh, everyone. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, a comment, so J.C. Lash was asking about, he kind of mentioned Tory Krug, and then Bergeron laughed about it because he t- can't talk about players that are still on another team. And then he mentioned October 9th, I believe, is when the free agency yeah. starts. Then there's opportunities to make moves. And Bergevin just kind of said, well, that's only if we have money left at that point. 
<laughs> which is a very, very, very interesting comment. Because why wouldn't you have money left uh, at that point? You have ten million in cap space. I hope you're not planning on giving all of that to Max Domi. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it it, it kind of made it sound like there is more in the works here that we maybe uh, like don't know that is uh, is going on. So it's it's very interesting to. Uh, I'm very curious to see what's what's coming because there's got to be a move forward coming soon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, and he showed with these two moves, going to get Edmondson, going to get Allen. You know, he doesn't want to wait around. He wants to. He he knows the needs that the Canadians have. And, you know, I mean, maybe that's that's been one of his issues in the past is that he's been too patient. He's been a little too conservative at times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, he knows this time. I mean, look, the, they had a good run in the playoffs. They could have gone even further, yeah. you know, if, if they would have got a little bit of luck. You know, next season... Man, let's let let's do it. Let's let's make some moves. Let you know if we have to move a couple of draft picks, that's fine. And that's what he's doing. He's using the extra draft picks he has to kind of get ahead of the other GMs, yeah. right? Like that that that's what he did with. Because I'm sure other teams would have liked to maybe look at Jake Allen for their for the backup role or to look at uh, to talk to Joel Edmondson before every, anyone else got to. But not every team can just kind of get rid of picks and have extra picks to, to, to move around left and right. So he, it's very solid asset management and kind of he seems he's coming off as ahead of the game compared to other GMs when it comes to this unique situation we're in right now. With It's going to be a short window for free agency and, and, and all that and getting to speak to, to players in advance. It, it's, it's interesting. He's definitely he's making moves. He's, he's definitely making moves and it sounds like they're not done. So we'll see what comes next, but uh, it's exciting. So he talked about, of course, he was asked about uh, Max Domi. Now, he specifically said Max Domi has never asked uh, for a trade. Uh, it was brought up how Max removed his social media, and Bergeron kind of laughed, kind of laughed it off. He's like, I don't care about his social media. That's not what it's about. But he he was still very quick to be positive about his first season. He was very honest, saying. The second season wasn't as good as the first season. I think even Max Domi would say that. But he basically said Max Domi has to play more physical and go back to playing. It's kind of like what we talked about last week where Max Domi seems to think he's a different player than what he is now mm. and yeah. plays too much as a skill game. So gave me a vibe that maybe he wants to hold on to Max. But, I mean, he talked about Dwayne later on and talked about Gallagher. He talked about other players or the four players that mentioned them before. Now, with those players, they the way he talked about it sounded like these are players he wants to hold on to and have with the Canadians. Max Domi, he was, it's more of playing it safe. Ah, if I can't get anything for him, I'll sign him. Yeah. If I can't, you know. So, yeah. We'll, well I, don't, I mean, I don't think Gallagher and, uh, and Trouin are going anywhere. I mean, uh, you know. I, I, well, with Gallagher, what I mean more specifically is because Gallagher's a UFA next year. Yeah. And he straight up said, this is a guy I want on the Canadians for the whole, whole career. Yeah. He didn't say anything like that for Max Domi. No, you know? exactly. For, for Drouin, he's very confident. He, he said that he loved the chemistry he saw with Suzuki, uh, and he's hopeful that he's going to take this step that he needs to take uh, next season to, to, to make that Sergeyev trade look good. He said the thing he said about Suzuki, KK, Romanov, and, and Carey Price. Like he, he, he said a lot of positive things about players he wants to hold on to the Canadians. With Max, he was kind of like, ah, if, you, if you play the same you did in this first year, maybe you would hold on to him. Now I'm not too sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. I mean, you know, it, it various times during the season, especially in the playoffs, he obviously seemed like the odd man out on the Canadians. Yeah, of course, so, it's very obvious. Yeah. You know, I mean, what what position is he really going to play if he stays with the Canadians? Is he, is he going to be a winger? Is he going to be a center? And the Canadians, you know, it, it 
both at both his positions basically at left wing and center you know he's he's sort of fallen down the depth chart so i mean i think if there's a trade that, that makes sense for the canadians then de- then definitely i mean they're, they're, he'd have no problem yeah. moving Domi. I mean, that's the thing that's important to understand. And you see frustrated people on social media that want to defend Max Domi, saying that people that want to trade Max Domi like are underrating him and all that. The vast majority of people that are talking about trading Max Domi, I think us included here, don't think Max Domi is a bad player by any stretch. It's just that just it's just assets and asset management and. It's just the piece that makes sense to move for the holes this team has, and this team has holes on the right side. No, exactly. No, exactly. I mean, I'd love to keep Max Domi. I mean, he's he's a great player, but you know, with with what the Canadians currently have, it might make sense to move him. Obviously, I mean, the trade has to be you know it has to be the right sort of deal. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to trade him for you know for another uh, for something that we need, like like a right winger. But uh, I mean, if if there's a trade that makes sense, then definitely. I mean, uh, I'm all for it. But uh, I'm not. I'm not just gonna give away Max. Domi, of course, that's for sure. But if you just re-sign Max Domi and he gets, I don't know, five six million, then that's pretty much it for the the cap room, right? There's not that much left after that. So then you're just going into the next year with the same team, except you have a better backup goaltender, which is important, but still, and you have slightly more solid depth on the on the left side on defense. Yeah. I mean, is that really gonna make a difference? I mean, is it gonna? Well, I mean, you also have Kukiniemi, sure, being a year older. Yes, sure. Suzuki being a year older. Sure. Um, yeah. No. I mean, it's it's obviously not a huge improvement, but uh, but again, I mean, I th- I think it, he's not done. That's no. that's for sure. No, I, I I I agree. And even though he said he he doesn't plan on moving defensemen, the the guy that like I know you say Kulak has uh, more. Uh, more value. I mean, Kulak moving does actually make sense if he's in already in trade talks. It really explains the the Edmondson move very. Yeah. But at the same time, getting a guy like Edmondson maybe shows that they're not interested in having a guy like Mete on the backhand either. So I mean, we'll see. I I I think a move uh, coming. Uh, like you said, he actually. I thought this was very interesting too. He uh, he talked about his trades and what his best trades, and she, they they showed polls from the fans. Of what the best trades were and what the, what the worst moves were for for Bergman, and uh, the the best trade by a large margin, I think we all agree with that was uh, the the Pacioretty trade. And his his first point was that he loves this trade. Bergman agreed the base of the, this was his best move because it's a trade that was good for both teams. Yeah, which we talked about yeah. last week. I mean, it was good for everybody. Good for Suzuki. Good for P- Pacioretty. Good for both teams. So uh, definitely. Definitely. And the, 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 the poll didn't include the draft pick. And Bergman made sure <laughs> to point out. He kind of stepped out of his camera shot and went to the screen and was pointing. Uh, you guys forgot to add the, the pick I got here that turned into uh, Norlander, who's going to be a solid. Like It was it was interesting seeing a, a side of Bergman we don't always see, kind of a yeah. candid kind of side there. And it just shows that he has a lot of hope for, for a guy like Norlander. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with guys like Romanov and Nor- Nor- Norlander as being potential solid guys in the future is that's why you you go and sign guys like Edmondson and and Ben Sherratt while you wait for those guys to be ready yeah no exactly yeah, yeah so uh, so aside from that there was, it was a really interesting interview honest I would, I, w- I would check it out if uh, if you haven't yet but aside from that I mean they talked about offer sheets quickly and Bergevin uh, essentially said that they don't usually make sense because you have to overpay so much and last year was a specific uh, circumstance but I don't really see that happening uh, again uh, aside from that, I mean, 
upcoming UFAs? Is he all in? It's just he, he he can't really talk about upcoming UFAs because they technically still belong to uh to uh, other teams. And uh, aside from that, I mean, they talked about the best trade. They also talked about the worst move, which I mean, I would agree with this poll result. I I I've been saying this for a long time that the Sergachev Dubois move, like you don't have to do this this trade this signing for Edmonton if you still have Sergachev, but yeah. Right away, Bergman was agreeing that Sergeyev is a great player, but he seems to really, really believe that with the chemistry Drouin saw with Suzuki at the end, he thinks he'll step in. Because Drouin did start last year very strong. Yeah, yeah, he did. And he finished He finished pretty good, too, I but, mean, in the playoffs. So. Yeah, that's the thing. He finished strong, too, when he got with Suzuki. So, I mean, and Drouin did talk about himself, how playing in Montreal was a lot of pressure for him. So he's maturing as a player. And he might just end up being a late bloomer, so you never know. He's definitely a guy you're not moving for the value he is right no. now. So uh, it's uh, it's it's interesting to see. Uh, but, I mean, I have a hard time believing that move is ever going to look good. I I still have hope. I mean, I I still have hope for Drouin. and and I still say, if Sergachev was with the Canadians, would he still be the same? Would he be the same defenseman? I mean, he's playing on a He'd much. He'd be the team. best left-handed defenseman on the team, well, like I mean, that's without a doubt. Hard. I know it's not very hard, but he still would be. I mean, <laughs> I, know, I, I still think Dwayne could be a really good yeah, player. Yeah, I mean, at I mean, best though, he kind of equals him in value. But we'll see. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm willing to. It was, it was exciting seeing him in Suzuki. To be fair, I mean, oh, I, sure. I, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what comes of that. If he ends up having chemistry with Suzuki, then perfect. Suzuki will have saved the the Jonathan Dwayne Montreal. So. So uh, next, let's, let's go with our Twitter question from uh, Etienne Ferland. So, uh, okay. So he says, uh, I hope that Romanov and Juleson make the team, but I don't think they should play together. Mm. So the options would be, so either on the first pairing, you have Sherrod Weber, second pairing, Romanov Petrie, third pairing, Edmondson Juleson. Other option, first pairing, Sherrod Petrie, second pairing, Romanov Weber, and third uh, pairing again, Edmondson and Juleson. Um, yeah, I mean, I, okay. Well, first of all, Romanov is a shoe in to be on the team. Yeah. I mean, there's no way that he he didn't come to Montreal to just play in Laval. Yeah, 100%. there's no way. Um, now on the th- on as far as the the third guy on the right side, could be you know I mean it could be Juleson, could be Fleury. Um, I mean, let's not forget that Mete in the playoffs yeah. played on the right side as well. I don't think that's going to be the no, option moving I- forward because I don't think he was that great. Um, Though he was See, playing with... That's what's interesting looking at the right side. Why was the focus so much on the left side when there is a hole on the third lefty, you know? Uh, th- third third right righty. Third right well, I, I don't know if, if that's true. I mean, I, again, I, you have Juleson, you have Fleury. Two guys that... I mean, they're younger guys. Yeah, ho- hopefully they're going to... I mean, so far, I mean, as much as I'd love Juleson, just as a person, he deserves to have a, a legitimate shot. Yeah, He's just so a, much bad luck. Yeah, I mean. so, so much bad luck, so... But right now, I, I I slot Flurry ahead of Jolson. Do do would you would you not yeah. say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's gonna come down to uh, come down to what happens at camp, obviously. Of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, Jolson's bare. I don't even know if he played last year. Did he play any games in Laval? I'm not sure. I forget. But uh, I mean, you know, so he he's obviously gonna need some time to adapt. So I think you know, Jolson's probably better off served starting at least in Laval yeah, probably. getting uh, you know getting getting used to the rigor of uh, you know of playing again uh, Fleury I mean has already proved that he can do it I mean he's he he played really well when he did play for the uh, play with the Canadians uh, so Jolson played nine, uh, 13 games in 1920 
13 all with Laval right he didn't play with the Canadians yeah okay yeah so I mean I think they're both good options I think you know Fleury probably makes the team out of camp yeah you might be uh, a little hesitant having Romanov and Fleury two really young guys 20 21 years old I mean here's the thing with Romanov I think Romanov is going to move around a little bit uh, on 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 the the blue line it's going to be a situation where they're they're going to want to have him play a little bit with Shea Weber and, and Jeff Petrie just as because if he's he's one of the he's, he's the top young guy coming into the team next year and they want want him playing with these leadership types we have on the right side so we can learn and grow as an NHL defenseman. So I think it, it maybe not it's going to be one of those situations where they I don't think Claude Julien is going to be scared to move things around during a game where maybe in the first he has a few shifts with Shea Weber but then when it's a one goal game at the end of the in the third then it's. Sharat back with Weber to, to close out the game. I think I think it's going to be that type of situation where you maybe have some occasions where you have Romanov and Flurry together hopping on the ice together, but they're going to be very controlled minutes in situations that aren't too kind of like risky. I, I think that's what's going to be happening uh, a, a lot with defense on because that's what you do when you have a young defenseman until he really proves. Because one of the two things happens: either he right away takes a step, looks good in the NHL level, and can start playing more consistently on the top four. Or it's a situation where he keeps moving up and down depending on performance per day and all that. I just don't think there's going to be a set in stone, oh, this is the pairings for the whole year. No, I agree with that. I mean, I think uh, you know, game one for the Canadians is going to be Sherratt, Weber, Edmondson, Petrie, and Romanov, Fleury. But yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of movement. I mean, especially with this is probably going to be a pretty condensed calendar. Yeah. So you know he's gonna probably have eight defensemen on the team. You know, you're gonna have you're probably gonna have I guess Juleson and I guess you know either Kulak or Mete maybe both. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so I mean they're gonna play a lot. Romanov's not gonna play every game. Yeah. I'm sure he knows. And I mean obviously there's gonna be injuries as well. But um, yeah, I think you know he's gonna get he's probably gonna move around a little bit. Um, but yeah, to start he's probably gonna play with Fleury. But and it's gonna be sheltered minutes. But uh, I think you know the Canadians are probably gonna really lean on big time the top four yeah no absolutely absolutely but that top four is not that difficult for Romanov to squeak into no no probably not right so if he comes out of the game playing really really well it wouldn't be that shocking I don't necessarily expect this I don't want to have too high expectations of Romanov but it wouldn't be that shocking for Romanov to at one point in the season 20-30 games in be playing better than Ben Sherratt or Joel Edmondson. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's that's even what happened, uh, what we saw last year from Romanov when he was playing with uh, CSKA Moscow. He, I mean, it, it, some of the game, it, like at the beginning of the season, he was playing like four or five minutes a game. I don't think you're going to see him play four or five minutes a game with the I, Canadians. I hope not. But as the season went on, he played more and more. And by the end of the season, uh, before basically the lockdown or whatever, he, he was, I think he actually had a couple of games over 20 minutes. So, you know, he... He got better and better as time went on, got more and more comfortable, and I think that's probably the same sort of thing that we'll see with the Canadians next season. And I, I think it will help too that he got the the time in the bubble with the team, right? He's yeah. Already, oh yeah, definitely. He's already built that 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 comfort level. To he's not just coming in from Russia on day one of camp, not yeah. knowing anyone, not having any sort of practice time with the team. Like even though he didn't get to play any games. He's already gonna have. It's the same coach, right? He's already gonna have a, an idea of the system. He's gonna have, you have an idea of the, the players he's gonna be playing with. So I think we might see kind of a, a Romanov that's kind of ready to step in 
pretty quickly when the, when the the, 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 the season starts. It's it's going to be very very exciting to see. Like I said, you don't want to put too much pressure on the on the kid. He's you know, twenty year old coming in. But he, I wouldn't be shocked if he, by the end of the year, he's playing close to top-pairing minutes on the team. Yeah, I mean, I think he definitely has that potential. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be an adjustment for him for sure. But uh, but I mean, I, I definitely think he got a bit of a, uh, you know, a, an early step like or a head boost. Start, yeah, right? head start exactly from from being in the bubble with the Canadians for yeah, sure. Uh, absolutely, I, I wasn't sure about it at first, but then you saw his clips in practice and all that, and how. He seemed to right away get along with the team. There's so many reports about he, how he was already one of the boys and all that. So that's that. That's always that, that plays a huge role, especially when it's a kid coming from another, uh, from from overseas, right? That maybe doesn't know, uh, doesn't speak English as well right away and all that. So it's 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 always and especially with Russian players because we know that he that coming from the KHL, it's always a risk. You always wonder if if they're eventually going to go back. So. Building those relationships uh, early on is, is huge for Romanov. So it, it'll be the, the, the big story uh, going into camp uh, for sure. And honestly, talking about it right now, it just annoys me that we're so far from... I just want... Can the Stanley Cup be given to one of the two teams that are <laughs> left? Like, I don't care. Like, I just want... No, no, no. I just want the offseason to start and, and free agency and, and the draft. Well, and, luckily, uh, we're like two and, a, two and a half weeks away yeah. from the draft, so... Well, things are going to be moving. Speaking of the draft, I do believe you touched on that a little bit with uh, with your yeah, definitely. Today. We had a had a great interview today with uh, with Marco D'Amico. So again, uh, from stats and uh, uh, scrimmages and stat scrimmage and stats. Uh, so he talked about uh, you know some of the options the Canadians could have at 16th overall. We touched a little bit on uh, on Joel Edmondson as well, and uh, and gave us a few guys the Canadians could be thinking about with uh, some of the later picks. So uh, so definitely give that. Uh, give that a listen guys and uh be sure to check out his website as well scrimmages and stats where he has the uh or he's going to be releasing shortly the top 62 prospects and like i said earlier great follow on twitter uh do you know by heart his twitter angle yeah it's at the hockey expert there you go that's a pretty good pretty good handle pretty good handle (laughs) hockey expert so uh, give him a follow great insight on the on the canadians and uh i mean We'll talk to you next time there's a move. I mean, we did a, an episode here with the Joel Edmondson signing. Uh, if there's more moves by the Canadians, we'll have more episodes. As always, follow us at the Habs Forum to know when the next episode drops. Yeah, I think maybe we could do uh, do another one in two weeks, right? You know, the right week before, before the, the draft. draft. Yeah, that at the very least, that if there's a move that happens before then, then we'll do uh, then we'll do another episode. So enjoy the talk with uh, Marco D'Amico. All right, I'm here with Marco D'Amico from scrimmageandstats.com. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Marco. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, so obviously the, the big news in Habs land right now is the Canadians acquiring and signing Joel Edmondson. Uh, what do you think of the, uh, first of all, giving up a fifth-round pick for his rights, and then what do you think of his contract, $3.5 million for the next four years? Well, I think... Um I think it would be important to look at this uh, separately. So, first of all, giving a fifth-round pick for draft rights uh, is not something we saw a lot. We saw it last year with Philadelphia uh, acquiring the rights to Kevin Hayes from the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but what happened over the pause is that you are no longer allowed within within the new CBA to give um, compensatory picks or conditional picks based on a player signing. It can only be from a performance basis uh so now what we're seeing is teams that are going to be getting up draft picks are assuming all the risk so i 
A fifth-round pick? I mean, we went into the offseason saying the Habs had 14 and there were no way that they were going to use all 14 draft picks in 2020. So if they can use a fifth-round pick to get, you know, a, a number four, number five, number, yeah, a number four, number five defenseman uh, and sign him, considering the market and considering it's Montreal, uh, I consider that a pretty solid move. Now, moving on to the contract, well, a lot of people will think that, that you know, you, you look at a guy like Joel Edmondson, if you look at the advanced stats uh, while he was in Carolina this year on a new team and a new system, uh, it didn't look good, yet he had the best offensive season of his career. Um, I liked the uh, average. I liked that it's $3.5 million against the cap every year. Um, people will complain because of the term, um, to which I state quite adamantly that term brought down the AAV. He's making the same percentage on the cap as Shira did last year and will continue to do this year and next year. But also what this does, in, in my honest opinion, is it assures that at expansion draft time, although like we could talk about Joel Edmondson being a, a dependable defenseman, a guy you could play on your second or third pair, um, and then should be able to cover for any type of offensive moving defenseman, be it Victor Mete or, or Jeff Petrie, uh, what it does do as well is it assures that either one of Shearot or Edmondson will be picked in the expansion draft and not any of the younger forwards that the Canadians have uh, or defensemen uh, because they have a lot of, of they have Kale Fleury, uh, they'll have uh, uh, Yulson, Mete to protect, and I feel like a team like Seattle would rather go for the veteran. If we looked at the Vegas expansion draft, I think there was maybe two players picked on an entry-level contract out of 30. So I think we're going to see more of that. And so if they want a veteran with cup experience that doesn't grow on trees for an expansion team, and if Edmondson isn't protected uh, because he doesn't have a no-movement clause, well, then he could be a viable option for them too. So I like what the strategy is overall. I think the Habs would have lost a bidding war for his services to begin with. Um, so, yeah, I really like uh, I like that Mark Bergevin is being aggressive uh, and it's working out for him because last summer I felt like he was aggressive and everybody just kept saying no. So, yeah, I definitely uh, a little bit of good. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and actually, that's not really something I... Uh, you know that, that I even thought of really a Seattle draft. Of course, I mean I think you know they're they're probably going to try to follow the same model that Vegas that Vegas did because obviously I mean they've had a had a ton of success. So I think that probably makes sense that you know they'll take a defenseman like a Sherratt or like an Edmondson uh, potentially. So uh, so actually that that that's a, a very good point. Like you said, you know Bergevin is being aggressive here, uh, going out and getting Jake Allen, getting Edmondson filling those needs before we actually get to free agency where we all know it's a little bit harder usually for the Canadians because of the, you know, I think the media situation, maybe even the language situation and, and probably more so even the, the tax situation. Yeah. So, so th definitely I, I think it makes a good, it, it makes for a pretty solid deal. Uh, it, it sort of suits a need and, uh, and, uh, and hopefully, I mean, well, it's probably not the last move that we're going to see from him, from him either. No, I, I sincerely doubt that. Uh, we have five completed trades since the play-ins, say, and uh, two of them are from the Montreal Canadiens. So, look, I mean, he's he's got to be aggressive because 
when the floodgates do open, and I fully expect the floodgates to open for this specific offseason because of the fact that it's a flat cap and an incoming expansion draft, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of movement. So he needed to get ahead of it so that he could focus on his major point of contention, which is the acquisition of a scoring right winger. And so I believe everybody knows that's the priority. He was on TV Ospov in Montreal and pretty much said it to the world that they're they're now looking for scoring. Um, so I feel like now, you know, all those basic needs are covered. The biggest need, in my opinion, is about to get looked at. Whether he pulls it off or not, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot a lot harder, I think, to pull that off uh, as opposed to getting a you know four or five defenseman or a backup goaltender. But yeah. uh, but you know, like you said, now he can concentrate on that. And I mean, you know, he still has obviously a lot of assets, a lot of draft picks uh, moving forward, and, and cap space as well to get it done. So so hopefully he can. But uh, now, uh, obviously, the the other big piece of uh, of new well, not really news, but uh, what we're all anticipating here in Habsland, of course, is the Canadians' draft pick. They're going to be drafting 16th overall. Marco, we had you on a few months ago um, when we thought when we all thought the Canadians were going to be drafting ninth. Um, yeah, I, I think I remember you mentioning guys like Jake Sanderson, uh, Marco Rossi. Uh, Seth, Jar- uh, no, Jack Quinn. Uh, I, I think it's safe to assume none of those guys are going to be falling to the Canadians at 16. Um, I wouldn't assume that, like, out of all the ones you mentioned, maybe Jack Quinn has an outside chance. Uh, maybe if some scouts deem uh, his season to be a fluke. However, um, you know, Sanderson, Rossi, I, there's no way. Unfortunately, uh, I know they look like attractive pieces, but those are guys that if they fall out of the top 10, I'll eat my hat. Yeah, I think I think those two guys, Sanderson and Rossi, were probably even maybe maybe a bit of a stretch for the Canadians to get at nine. So yeah, all things have to go right. Exactly. So who do you see the Canadians maybe potentially picking at sixteen? Well, I, you know, I, I would do, I do want to make things clear uh, in regards to the draft. So there's ranking, and then there's projecting what teams will take what. So this is a draft that has a ridiculous amount of high end wingers, uh, and as we saw last year. Uh, that simply cannot be. There, there simply cannot be a mirror composition of a ranking versus how the draft plays out because teams have needs, and those needs define how players tend to rise or fall on a draft based on their ranking. If you look at a guy like Cole Caulfield last year, he fell because everybody was flabbergasted at the fact that Maurice Sider went sixth overall, and then it proceeded. You, you saw a rush for defensemen. Uh, where Broberg went 8th, uh, Soderstrom, uh, Arizona traded up to get him 11th, uh, and then you also had uh, Cam York at 14. So that caused better wingers like Cole Caulfield, like Alex Newhook, like Peyton Krebs to fall far lower than they should have gone. I think we might see that again this year, because similarly to last year, there's not that many high-end defensemen. There's two. Um, and I would argue that there's not as many high-end centers after the uh, Byfield, Stutzler, Perfetti, Rossi, Lundell glut of people that most likely go in the top 10, 12. So what we might see is teams reaching for positional depth. So we might see uh, players like defenseman Caden Gould from the WHL uh, and Braden Schneider uh, potentially rise up in the top 15 uh, there's always uh, the biggest wild card in the draft, which is Yaroslav Askarov. 
the goaltender who actually just got a shutout today in the KHL. Uh, he could potentially pierce uh, the top 10. So that's going to create a lot of movement uh, player-wise in terms of, of players dropping. So for me, uh, the biggest wet dream that any Canadians can have right now would be uh, Seth Jarvis potentially falling to 16. Personally speaking, I don't see it happening. Uh, maybe Jack Quinn falling to 16 is a little bit more uh, palatable, uh, seeing as he's one of the older players in the draft. So, you know, teams might think that he doesn't have as much of a potential. But in terms of realistic picks, um, we can start with Rodion Amarov. So he's uh, a left winger uh, currently playing, uh, I believe, in the VHL, uh, which is the junior leagues uh, right now in uh, Russia. And, you know, someone like Amarov, who's being shuttled up and down from junior Russia to the KHL, you don't really get a sense of what is full-on talent is, so you have to look at international play, and on international ice, he's just all over the place. Uh, I compare him to like a mini Radulov in the sense that he's feisty, he goes to the middle of the ice, he goes to the high-danger areas, he's got high skill, good passing, he's got a nose for a net. Um, so, you know, not that I think left wing is a dire need for the Montreal Canadiens, but if he's there, uh, I, I really would consider uh, foregoing everybody else that's on the board. Um, one guy I know that the Canadians have, you know, a significant amount of interest with, uh, in, uh, first hand is a guy by the name of Dawson Mercer, uh, who's currently playing in Shakutami in the QMJHL. Uh, now he's a center, but also a right winger and predominantly a right handed shot, which is, uh, what I think the Canadians are trying to load up on lately, uh, so that they can fix their current roster issues. They have too many lefties. But Dawson Mercer plays a very similar uh, style game. To, uh, you, know, you can cross between like a Jordan Eberle. Uh, some people have even compared him to Jeff Skinner in a sense. Uh, I don't think he'll ever score 40 goals. But uh, what you get with Dawson Mercer is safe, intelligent, smart play, uh, exceptional playmaker. He's making uh, Hendricks Lapierre in Shikutami look like a Maurice Richard uh, winner because he's just setting him up everywhere. Um, you know, there were speed concerns with him at first, but honestly, uh, you're seeing him now, uh, after six months off. And the thing, this is going to be the benefit for most prospects is they all had six months off to train heavily. Um, his speed has improved phenomenally. I think we might actually see Mercer rise in the rankings because of that, uh, because he can play center. Uh, and there's such a, there, there, there's a, a lack of centers really after the 11, 12 slot. Um, another player that I think the Canadians have also had their eye on, and we've heard about this, is Gabriel Bork. Um, he plays a game very akin to a um, Anthony Bavillier, uh, but he's a right-handed shot as well. So he's just a sneaky good playmaker, uh, very deceptive, got excellent speed. Uh, he's got eyes in the back of his head. He can run a power play. Uh, he can even play on the penalty kill. Uh, really all-situation kind of guy. Uh, but... Again, he didn't uh, he didn't have the best supporting cast in junior, and he well outscored, I'd say, 90% of the entire league. Um, so someone to keep an eye on. He doesn't have the, the, the flash or the draft pedigree that everybody else does, but I think at the end of the day, um, when we're looking at value picks at that point at 16, uh, Gabriel Book definitely needs to be a part of that. Um, Gabriel... 
So, sorry right. to cut you off, Mark. Uh, you said Gabriel Bork. Um, are you referring to sorry, t- Maverick, 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 yeah, Maverick? Maverick, Maverick, Bork. Maverick, my bad. I keep flipping between the two. But yes. <laughs> oh, boy. And then, obviously, uh, a lot of people have asked me about him. His name is Noel Gunler. Uh, and he's a one of the three really high-end Swede forwards, uh, along with Alexander Holtz and along with uh, Lucas Raymond. Uh, to have played in the Swedish Hockey League, like the full men's league, last year, and he actually outproduced, uh, he actually outproduced Raymond. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the same case this year. Uh, but what I like about Gunler is his ability to really just kind of play both ends of the ice, uh, really strong. He's got a good build to him. He's about six two now, uh, but he's a passer. He's a he's a shooter. Uh, prototypical top six winger in the making. Uh, predominantly uh, right wing, but can play left. Uh, and really what I like about him is, again, he goes to the high danger areas as well. Um, I feel like it would mesh well with how the Canadians play. I think the only major knock on him is that uh, he seems to have uh, pre-existing attitude issues that only Swedish hockey ice officials seem to know about. Um, I think with maturity and good coaching, those things tend to go away. Uh, unless, of course, you have the uh, allergy the Galchenyuk syndrome, as I like to call it. But um, for all intents and purposes, uh, he's doing exceptionally well in preseason in Sweden, and he looks to have a prime season. So, again, these are all great options for the Canadians at forward at 16. Uh, I'm just going to kind of plow through what the potential defenseman can look like at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, personally, Caden Gould will be gone uh, by 16. But Braden, Braden Schneider, there's a chance. Now that the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have a clear needed right defense, are picking right before the Canadians at 15, I think there's a chance that even Braden Schneider can be gone. But it's worth discussing uh, because the Canadians do have a need on right defense in their system. Uh, Braden Schneider plays a game, uh, you know, very akin to like a Brett Pesci. You know, very physical but mobile. Uh, can bring up the puck by himself. Has a good shot. Can play on your second power play. Uh, especially in Toronto. Uh, but in Montreal, he would be able to to take his time uh, and grow his game, even though he's probably more NHL-ready, uh, in my opinion, than, than a guy like Caden Gould or even a, a Jamie Drysdale, uh, just simply because of his age and because of his build. He's already some, he's already north of 200 pounds. Um, so again, very mobile guys that we're seeing available at 16. No clear-cut superstars, but definitely all guys with top four or top six potential. I mean, I think those are all great options. Uh, some options that we've even discussed on the podcast previously. Um, do you, Noel Gunler, I mean, that for me, that would be amazing. Um, do, do you actually think that, that he could potentially fall to 16 to the Canadians? I think so. Um, again, as we discussed, we're going to see some shockers in this draft simply because we don't have the end-of-year bias anymore, right? We don't have playoffs we don't have the u18s we don't even have the combines to, to to really tell us what's happening to build a consensus about where a player is going to go so i really feel like outside of the top three this is going to be the wild west entirely uh and teams are going to just be swinging for the fences on players they really believe have reached the next level now uh in sweden with the shl coming is starting up on the 19th uh on saturday uh, or or Finland and the QMJHL with their respective leagues starting on October 1st, there may be a slight advantage 
the players playing in those leagues where scouts get to have an extra look at them to see where they are from a progressional standpoint. But really, this can go anywhere. And so, like I was talking about with a lot of friends, between 10 and 22, I think I have seven wingers ranked. And to be completely honest with you, I am I would be shocked if that many wingers went in 12 spots. I We didn't see it last year. I doubt we see it this year. Um, it's very rare that that happens because, again, there's such an importance to the role of a center, uh, to the role of a defenseman, uh, that you know teams will value that position more than the player's potential at times. Uh, obviously, it creates situations where players get drafted far earlier than we think they should. Uh, an example of that is Barrett Hayton, or even Kakaniemi to an example, but Barrett Hayton was the biggest jumper, in my opinion, who went from like 15th overall in terms of ranking and was drafted 5th uh, because there were a lack of centers in 2018. Same thing with Ty Delandria uh, going from 22nd overall ranked to being drafted at 13th overall by the Dallas Stars. So we might see something like that again, where a team that just misses out on Marco Rossi or an Anton Lundell that wants a center, well, they may turn around and say, well, I'm going to take Hendricks Lapierre at 13th overall because I just, I want a center. And we're all going to be looking at each other saying, how is that possible? But when you're building a club, it's safer for a GM to take the high value asset, which is a center or a defenseman over a winger. The benefit to Montreal, they have those already. So this would be an opportune draft to go and take the best winger available. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, uh, you know, I think centers and defensemen too are can sometimes maybe maybe not overvalued, but yeah, they're they're definitely a little bit they're they're seen as a little bit more value than some wingers, and and definitely I think that you know one of the biggest holes for the Canadians, like you mentioned, at least in the pipeline, is going to be the right wing, and if they can get any of the guys that you mentioned especially Noah Gundler, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, the Canadians obviously have a whole boatload of picks in this draft. Any guys that maybe in the later rounds that, uh, that you'd like to see them draft? Oh, well, in the second round, they have three picks. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was 48, 49, and 56. If I'm not mistaken, they're picking 16th plus 31. Actually, no, 47, 48, 56. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is, you know, still very good. Um, and you know, for those wondering if they're going to stay with those picks or if they're going to trade those picks, that's that's anybody's guess. But at those pick, at, at that rank, uh, you have a couple of players uh, that I feel can make a real difference that could still potentially be there. Again, more along the lines of wingers, but if there are defensemen, um, definitely a guy that's under the radar is Samuel uh, Johannesson. And so for those that don't know who he is, uh, it's a little bit like Norlander's story, where he's actually an overager, he's, he's 19. Uh, but this is a guy who started off the year in the SHL, um, kind of just sitting on the sidelines, uh, and was given a chance, even though he went and drafted in his draft year, uh, he was given a chance uh, to come in for his club, uh, and really was able to, to to take advantage of the situation in Rogla. Um, and what happened is he wound up becoming a top pair defenseman or a top forward defenseman for them by the end of the season at the age of 19, which is extremely rare in Sweden, especially in the S in their top league, the SHL. Um, 
And so, although he is a smaller player, he's 5'9", about 160 pounds, uh, this is a guy who plays a ridiculous possession game. Uh, his transitional uh, game is really good. I'm, a, I'm effectively counting on NHL GMs being NHL GMs and looking at a small defenseman and just being like, no thank you. Um, but he's essentially, he projects to be the prospect or the type of player that Montreal thought Victor Mete was going to be, except he plays on the right side. Um, so he's a right shot, right defenseman, uh, who put up 11 points in the SHL as an 18 and 19 year old. So for me, that's incredibly impressive. Uh, I don't expect players drafted this year at 18 to do much of that in Sweden this year. Uh, so to see someone come out, come out and do that, that's definitely going to vault their pedigree. Um, another player I'd like to see the Canadians take potentially in that range, uh, is a guy by the name of Sam Colangelo. Um, now a lot of people don't know who he is. Uh, he's a big rugged winger played for the Chicago steel in the USHL this year. Um, there was a killer line, uh, for the Chicago steel with Brandon Brisson, Sean Farrell, and, uh, our buddy Colangelo. And for, you know, I think Brendan Brisson is a potential first round pick. So he's out of the question. Um, but definitely a guy I could see the, the Habs targeting cause he's a big right winger as Colangelo, and the reason for that uh, is because this is another guy who's got good speed, good size, a nose for the net, not the best playmaker, but a pretty solid goal scorer, uh, and in my opinion, plays a game akin, not exactly, but akin to a Joel Armia. I think that he is, uh, he's more, he has higher vision, he's more of a passer than Armia is, uh, and so that's why he has legit top six potential. And then, I guess, the last one that I would add would be a guy by the name of Thomas Bordalo. Um, he played for the U.S. national development team this year uh, and was really, in my opinion, their best offensive player. It's not uh, the same year that they had last year for the U.S. national development team, other than Sanderson. Uh, Bordalo is probably their best-ranked player right now. Um, if For anybody who wanted to know, the Canadians have already interviewed him three times this year. So clearly there's interest there, and they do see a potential fit. Uh, but he's one of those 5'11", 5'10", 5'11", centers that's quick, lightning quick, uh, exceptional uh, playmaking skills, projects as a top six center in the NHL. Uh, people just aren't sure really about uh, his ability to, to withstand a full season, the physicality. Uh, but if we've seen anything from him uh, coming into the USHL, he, or coming into the U.S. national development team, he took his ice time. He wasn't, he wasn't initially supposed to be the best player on the team. He took it uh, and he ran with it. So uh, Mark Bergevin is a guy that likes his character guys. And if you can combine character and skill, uh, you'll definitely be at the top of their list. That's just the second round. Yeah. It just keeps going, man. Like a lot of people say, this is not a very deep draft. I don't think it's a very deep draft from a top end perspective, but I think there's a lot of guys that fit the top six, top four molds. Uh, going from around pick 20 in the first round till about, I'd say, the early third round. So there's, there's a lot of talent to pick. Um, one thing I will add is it's a good year for overagers this year. Um, you know, there's, especially in the third round, I don't know if certain Hab fans remember uh, a certain diminutive winger by the name of Oxentyuk, who was at the development camp, actually, in the summer of 2019. He's an overager who was playing in Russia last year and came over and lit up 
the OHL for the Flint Firebirds with Ty Delandria, um, who could be potentially available in the third round when the Canadians pick, uh, who could, who realistically is, is a guy that could do some damage. Uh, another guy that could potentially be there in the third round, although given his size and how good he is, he probably might squeak into the second, is a guy by the name of Robbie Yarventy. Uh, he plays in Finland right now. Uh, he was playing in the Metsius League, which is the, the second division. Um, and I like, he's one of the younger players in the draft, big body, nose for the net. Um, a lot of people will say he's got, uh, deficiencies in defense, uh, not the most aware player on the ice, but this is a guy who goes north, south, uh, big bodied, good skating, great shot. Uh, I feel like most of his issues are coaching related. And in the third round, that's when the crapshoot really begins. Uh, so if he's available there, uh, definitely a guy I see the Habs jumping on. And then also in the third round, a defenseman from uh, from St. John Sea Dogs, uh, not Jeremy Poirier, but his defensive partner, William Villeneuve. Uh, potentially a guy that could, again, be taken into the second round. That's when things get really complicating. Uh, but he's a very calm, uh, good-moving defenseman. Um, I don't know necessarily if he has the upside uh, offensively to be a point producer in the NHL, uh, but definitely a guy that's going to be able to give you, at at worst, in my opinion, bottom pair of minutes. And I think in the third round, getting a guy like that uh, is great. But he also does have legit top four upside uh, if he continues to work on his skating uh, and he continues to work on his offensive game separate uh uh, Jeremy Poirier, but the, the good thing for a guy like Villeneuve is that the St. John Sea Dogs are going to be a powerhouse team this year uh, with two uh, top talents uh, in Jeremy Roy and Peter Reynolds leading the way. So it could be a good year, uh, a good gamble, in my opinion, for his development. I think they'll. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry to cut you off. I was going to just, no, just say, and then fourth and fifth round, like it's just throw the dice, man. It could be literally anybody. Uh, I was just, you know, there's. Pavel Gogolev, who was actually Cam Hillis' teammate uh, in Guelph this year. They both lit it up together. That could be available. Uh, Quebec major junior native, another overager by the name of Igor Sokolov, could be available in the fourth round. Habs, I believe, have three fourth round picks. Yep. Uh, and the first one being Anaheim, so I think it's like four or five spots into the into the fourth round. So it's almost like a late third. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of guys that you could see the Habs taking. By the fourth or fifth round, honestly, if anybody's guess, uh, I've done, like, think maybe 15 to 16 mock drafts in the last month, and it's never the same players available in the fourth or fifth round. So it can get, uh, it can get pretty intense. Uh, what, I, what I will say, though, is this is an excellent draft to shoot for the fences. There's a lot of high-potential players. Um, so the fact that the Canadians do have a couple of late-round picks is good. But it also means that they can be aggressive if they feel like there's a high-quality player in the first or second round uh, and they want to trade up. For reference, if they do want to trade up in the second round to get into uh, the early 40s, late 30s in the second round, it would cost them a fourth-round pick along with one of their second-round picks to move up. That's not an insane price considering what's going on right now. So something to keep an eye on because I do feel like the Canadians, uh, we've been hearing a lot lately that they do have their targets. And because the draft is, is in October and not in June, we've heard about it way more now than we have in past years. So I think that if the Canadians do feel like they're 
their targets are dropping close enough that they can trade up and assure that they draft them, this is the year you're going to see that happen. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially seeing how many draft picks they have and how many prospects they already have. And, 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 and this year and next year, they can use their draft mm-hmm. picks from next year already, and they already have 11. Exactly. And I mean, especially seeing as, you know, they, they've had to let go of some pretty, because of course there's a, a maximum of 50 contracts. They've had to let go of some some pretty decent guys like uh, Scott Walford last year and this year, uh, guys like Alan McShane, Cole Fonstad, and Samuel Hood, some guys that, you, that they might want to have signed. So I think it makes sense that, me, that they're probably going to move some of those picks. And if they can get a guy that they really covet, then it makes even more sense to do that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, and and I, will, I would even add or, or go further to that. This is going to be one of the most wild drafts in a while because you're going to see more players moving for picks than picks being moved for picks. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's going to change the entire draft order. That's going to change strategy a, a, a lot. And if they follow the same draft mechanisms that the NFL did, giving teams five to seven minutes to decide their picks, uh, we might actually see an uptick in trades. So it's, um, it's definitely an exciting time. Uh, it's my favorite time of the year, although it's usually in June with hot weather and a terrace. Yeah. And not uh, <laughs> October with this kind of weather and no chance of public interaction. Um, so definitely uh, something to watch. I would, uh, I would just state, though, that when it comes to the contract limitations, I feel like the Canadians have learned from this. Uh, I don't know if many people have been paying attention, but the Laval Rocket have been handing out a ridiculous amount of contracts for players uh, to, that are going to be playing for them this year as opposed to having the Canadians uh, go and sign players to eventually demote and play on their top lines. So uh, I think that the 50-limit contract, I think that Alan McShane and, and, and Fonstad and Hood were let go because they see what else is coming. The Harrises, the Strubles, the Yolonins that's starting this year, uh, Olofsson potentially coming next year, and whoever, whomever they're going to be drafting this year. So there's... Um, there's definitely a lot to take into consideration, but ultimately these are all assets that you could potentially use in trades. And as we've seen, the Canadians are going to be aggressive in that front too. So it's uh, I think there's a lot to be uh, happy about. I think there's a lot to be uh, to hope for. Um, and I feel like the Canadians have been dealt a really good hand post-pandemic. So we'll see what they can do with it. Absolutely, it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks heading up to the draft. Uh, Marco, I don't want to keep you much longer. We've already uh, gone over, uh, uh, you know, and I know you're about to do your your own podcast. So where uh, where can our listeners listen to your podcast and uh, and what uh, whether what other sort of uh, draft stuff do you have uh, coming up shortly? Oh well, um, my our podcast is called the Hockey Flow. Um, so it's it's you know mostly uh, it's we like to focus on Habs, but we try to keep it uh, as general as possible. Uh, and then I also have my prospect segments within that, talking about the draft. Um, In terms of my personal content on Scrimmage and Stats, I have my top 62 uh, final draft rankings coming out within the next week. Uh, I must tell you, um, if you're going to read it, have a coffee, bring a drink. Uh, It's a nice long one. Uh, And if you really really want to know everything you need to know about the first two rounds of this draft, uh, I sincerely suggest you check it out. Um, I think the last time I wrote something this long, it was my thesis. So it's, uh, it's probably about 20 pages worth, uh, full of sequencing, full of player profiles. And I feel like half fans are going to benefit from it because the Canadians do have four picks in the top 60 this year. 
Absolutely. We're definitely looking forward to that. And I definitely suggest to, uh, to, to our listeners to go check that out and give your podcast a listen. Uh, well, again, thank you very much for doing this, Marco. We really appreciate it. Uh, and, it's a uh, pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I look forward to the next two and a half weeks until the draft. It's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. Take care, Marco. Take care, buddy. Bye. Bye.